0: I heard an old, old story. Have a say. i
1: Baptist Church glad that you're here today happy Valentine's Day to you we have as the Church of Jesus Christ the greatest love story in the world the story of how God loved us with an eternal love and came to get us he came down from heaven to win us and to save us and we are so grateful for his great love to us this is also a connection group leader appreciation day in our church It's about halfway through our church year, and our connection group leaders are the key people in our church. And I just want to add my word of thank you to those who lead these small groups at 745 and 830 and 945 each Sunday morning. That's the key strategy of our church, to disciple people. Jesus got people into groups. We get people into groups. And I hope that you'll express your appreciation today to your connection group leader, those who lead your children and preschoolers and students. I just want to add my great thanks to you, your key people in our church and in the kingdom. I want to welcome those of you who are guests with us today. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to meet you. I'll be at the Welcome Center after this service. I have a small gift uh, for each uh, guest. If you'll just come by and see me, we have some CD of music from our church. have the Jesus movie to give you some information about our church. Hope you'll stop by. And I'd like to get to know your name. There's a guest card in the pew rack in front of you. And I really learn people's names better if you'll write it down rather than hearing it. So if you would do, the, fill out that guest card and just bring it uh, to the Welcome Center, there's a box to put it in there and you can get your gift, or I'd love to talk to you if you have a moment to talk. So thank you for coming and being here. We're glad you're here today. We appreciate everyone who worships through giving. And right now, we don't take up an offering. We have offering boxes on the wall. As you leave the, by the double doors, there's a slot where you can place your offering. That is no less an act of worship because it's in a box. It is still that uh, giving of, to God uh, from what he has given us. Thank you uh, for giving. Let's pray together. Would you join me as we uh, turn our hearts to God today? Father in heaven, thank you that you first loved us. Before we knew you, before you cared about us, you loved us. And we are so grateful. And today, we want to, in worship, return that love to you. We offer our voices in song. We offer our lives by being here. We give our offerings. We come to say, oh God, we love you. And we worship you. And you're our hope and our peace and our strength. It's in the name of Jesus we offer this prayer. Amen.
2: Amen. Will you stand again with us? We're going to sing about our glorious Savior who is the lion and the lamb.
0: every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. For the sins of the world, His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before Him. Make way before the King of Kings The God who comes to save Is here to set the captives free For who can stop the Lord Almighty Our God is the Lion The Lion of Judah He's roaring with power. Battles and every knee will bow before him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before him. sins of the world his blood breaks the chains and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb and every knee will
2: Let's continue to sing. This is a place of freedom in this place where we worship our our true Lord and King. This place of freedom, freedom to, to worship. Listen as Karen leads us.
3: A calm that covers me When I kneel down at your feet It's a place of healing It's a place where I find freedom There's a place my My spirit longs to be, it's a place of healing.
0: shout your name till the walls come falling down I've come to worship
4: I've come to worship
0: Shout for shame Till the walls come falling down I've come to worship I've come to worship
3: I'm gonna sing my song
0: Like I am unashamed I'm gonna shout for joy At the mention of your name I've come to worship I've come to worship And there's no ashamed i'm gonna shout for joy at the mention of the name i've come to worship i've come to worship
2: Lord, we've come to worship you this morning for no other reason except just to come and bless you, Lord, this morning. That's our purpose here. Lord, I know that um, there's so many things to distract us from you, and we don't want to focus on those this morning, Lord. We want to focus on you, what you want to say to us, what you want to hear from us. We want to focus on what the changes that you would like to see in our lives. Lord, I pray for Dr. Cox as he comes and brings your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless his spirit, lift him up, and give him just the right things to say through your Holy Spirit that will pierce the shells and walls that we build around our lives and our hearts that keep you from getting in, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated.
1: On this Valentine's Day, let me begin with a love story, sort of a tragic love story. It's a story of my aunt. She was born about 1920, grew up in the 30s and 40s, a little town of Blue Ridge, Georgia. Her name was Gertrude Cox. Not many parents name their kids Gertrude anymore, but uh, that was her name. She met a young man, fell in love, got married. And then early in their marriage, they were at a party, and he was talking for a long time to another girl. And he eventually uh, cheated on her, and they divorced. And she lived the rest of her life single. And she began to write songs. She poured out her heart into music, right? wrote poems, wrote songs. In the 1950s, she was a country songwriter. You'd have to be pretty hardcore classic country to know any of her songs. She wrote for Ferlin Husky and Farron Young and Gene Shepherd and Connie Hall in the 1950s. And uh, I'm going to read you the words of one of her most famous or most played songs in the 1950s. It was called My Reason for Living. Ferland Husky sang it, it. The words are, it's a wonder of wonders like a magical spring. How I met you, I loved you, and it changed everything. But the greatest of wonders, just a thing it could be. My reason for living is because you love me. Since I know that you need me and your love I can feel, my life has a meaning and my fate, it is real. Love has answered life's questions, for at last I can see my reason for living is because you love me. What's your reason for living? What's your purpose in life? Maybe like my aunt's song, uh, your purpose in life is in some relationship. Your reason for living is because somebody loves you. What happens when, like my aunt, that relationship is gone? Do you still have a reason for living? Or what about some people, the relationship that gives them meaning? Young families, it's their kids. Boy, their lives are centered around their kids and they'd say, and I'm living to raise my kids. That's a great goal. What happens when your kids grow up and they're gone from home? Do you still have any reason for living? What's your purpose in life? Other people find their purpose, their significance, their sense of worth in their career. And we say, what do you do? I'm a whatever and that career identifies us and they pour their lives into building that business or building that career or working that job a lot of hours and then sometimes it doesn't bring the fulfillment that you hoped it would one CEO wrote in Forbes magazine when you get to the top there's nothing there So what's your reason for living? What's your purpose in life? Today I want to begin a four-part sermon series. The next four weeks, we're going to examine a purpose, finding purpose in life. And I want to point you to a greater, higher purpose, that you were created for a relationship with God. And you'll not find real meaning until you come to that relationship with God. But in that relationship, you can find a reason for living, A purpose that will fulfill you so today I want to begin by talking about the glory of God the Westminster Confession is an old confession of faith and it says man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever would that be a good goal for your life I want to glorify God and enjoy him forever I want to talk to you today about what it means to glorify God in your life and for that to be the unifying purpose in your life. That you would come to see that God has loved me and sent his son Jesus to die for me and through his death and resurrection he saved me and now I live my life for him because of what he's done for me. I want to glorify God in my life. Maybe the word glory or glorify is a little bit odd to you. We don't use that word a lot in normal conversation. So I'll give you two synonyms for it, two other ways this word is translated. We'll see some of them in the passages we'll look at. And then also it's often paired with these two other words. And they are honor and praise. So if glory, to glorify God, doesn't ring with... You you can substitute the word to honor. I'll live my life to honor God because of what he's done, or I'll live my life to praise God. In the book of Revelation, it'll group those three words together. For the praise and honor and glory of God, it'll say over and over. So that's what we're talking about, about glorifying God. Would you live your life to honor God, to praise the God who first loved you? Now, how would you do that? I want to share with you some practical ways that you could glorify God in your life and hopefully give you that sense of meaning and purpose. We're going to look at five of them from the scripture. Number one, you can glorify God by your words, by your words. We begin in Psalm chapter 63 and the title of this Psalm, the heading you see it in your Bible there says a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah so this was a rough time in David's life he was either fleeing from Saul or I think more likely later in his life his son Absalom tried to rebel and take the kingdom away from him and David fled the capital of Jerusalem gave up Jerusalem to fight in the desert against his son and here he is sort of an exile away from home away from the palace in the desert of Judah and here's what he says Verse 1, you, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David was in the desert. He longed for water, but he said, I long for you even more. Verse 2, he remembers how it was back in Jerusalem. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Here it is. Here's the first way that we could bring honor or praise to God. My lips will glorify you. What you say is important. And you in your life can glorify God by the way you talk. And specifically, it's talking about worship here. Verse 4, the next verse says, I will praise you There's that word side by side, glorify and praise. I'll praise you as long as I live. In your name, I'll lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied. You hear that sense of purpose? Here he is in the desert. Things have not gone well in his life. He's on the run. His own son is trying to take the kingdom away from him, but he's reaffirming what is the central focus of his life. He said, with my lips, I'm going to sing in the desert. And I can just imagine he's camped with his men who have fled with him and they're in the night there under that desert sky and there they hear the king start to sing praises to God. He says, my lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. In your name I'll lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. what you do here in this place is important what you say what comes out of your mouth is important worship is important it centralizes your life around God this is who I am this is why I'm living I want to glorify God and so I begin it on the first day of the week on Sunday and I lift my voice to God because he is worthy of that that gives you that unifying purpose you can glorify God first of all with your lips it's what's coming out of your mouth both on Sunday morning and on Monday morning, does it glorify God? Because it's not just Sunday, every day of the week. Do you acknowledge God? Do you talk about God? Do you give praise to Jesus? My lips, David said, will glorify God. Let me share with you a second way that you can glorify God. You can glorify God by the way you treat your body. In your body, you can glorify God. Let's look at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13 and following. To give you some background, this passage, these verses we're about to read, Paul is telling the Corinthians to abstain from sexual immorality. As Christians, the sexual expression is to be within marriage. Now, Corinth was a really immoral town. Corinth sits uh, on the isthmus between the northern and southern part of Greece, so if you're going to go north to south, you've got to go through Corinth. It is so it's a trade center, There's a, it connects the Adriatic and the Aegean Sea, so it's a seaport town from east to west, all this travel going through there. And the temple of Aphrodite was there, and a thousand cult prostitutes worked for the goddess of love, Aphrodite, on this mountain right above the city of Corinth. I've been to Corinth, the ruins, you can still see the, the mountains, still see ruins of the temple there. And these thousand girls came down into the streets where these sailors and all these travelers were every night and worked their work. And so the phrase, a Corinthian girl, came to mean a prostitute. How'd you like the name of your city? It didn't mean you just grew up in Corinth. It meant you're a prostitute. Sort of like Vegas It's a little bit of that, but a lot worse, you know, Vegas, we think Sin City. A lot worse than that. So this is the city that they're living in, and they're having to go counter-culture, right? As Christians, this new little church in Corinth, there's a tremendous pressure on them to be like their culture. And Paul says, you're going to have to be different from all of these people around you in this city, and it's going to be a tough place. And so he gives them four theological reasons for Christians to abstain from sex before marriage. We need these in our day. Let me share them with you. Here they are. They were saying, verse 13, some of the people there were to rationalize their immorality were saying, well, the spirit's what really matters. The body's not so important, okay? That was their argument. Spirit's eternal. The body's going to go away. So, really doesn't matter what you do with your body. It's just how your heart is, your spirit is. Here's what Paul says. So, verse 13, sort of quoting them. You say, so Paul's quoting the critics. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, Paul says, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Here's four reasons. Number one, because he's going to raise the body. The first reason is the resurrection. Your body is significant. It doesn't just go away. It's going to be raised and you're going to be in your body in heaven or hell for all eternity. Verse 14, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Second reason, Christians ought to abstain from the sexual immorality of the culture around them. Is because when you became a Christian, your body was joined with Jesus. First of all, the resurrection. Second, union with Jesus. Verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is with is one with him in spirit. Second reason, you're united with Christ. Third reason to abstain from sexual immorality is because the Holy Spirit lives in your body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You're not your own. Holy Spirit lives in you. Honor God with your body. Fourth reason to glorify God with your body or abstain with, from sexual immorality, body's going to be raised, body of a Christian united with Christ, body of a Christian's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Fourth is ownership, A body of a Christian doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God because he bought it through the death of Jesus on the cross. It's not your body anymore, it's his body. That's what he says in verse 20 or last part of verse 19. You are not your own. Verse 20, you were bought at a price. Therefore, here it comes, glorify God with your body. So Paul gives them four theological reasons that we ought to glorify God with our body. So the way you treat your body is either going to bring shame to him who saved you or honor and praise and glory to him. So, here's how we can glorify God by the way we treat our bodies. Everybody's got a body, right? You got one, right? You got a body, right? Glorify God with your body. This applies to more than just sexual purity. It means that it applies to what we put into our bodies because the temple of the Holy Spirit is there because it's not your body because the body's going to be raised because the body's united with Christ. This This is why Christians do not try to change their gender because it's not our body. It's a sovereignly given body to us from God and it it belongs to him and we're going to honor him with it. We're not going to mutilate our bodies or any way mistreat our bodies because they are sacred. And so the way day in and day out you treat your body in terms of purity, in terms of what you put into it, in terms of how you value it, respect it, you can glorify God just by living in your body gives a sense of purpose to you. And God's pleased and honored and praised when you treat your body like it belongs to Him and like the Holy Spirit lives in it. Third reason, or third way, you can glorify God. You can glorify God even in the most ordinary choices and activities of life. I'll share with you another verse from. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So even the most ordinary things like eating and drinking, you can do for the glory of God. Now what does that mean? Let me tell you the context here. In in 1 Corinthians chapters 8 through 10, three whole chapters, Paul is answering a question that the Corinthians had written him, is it wrong for Christians to eat meat that has been sacrificed to pagan idols? That's a question we never deal with, but it was a big question to them at Corinth, and Paul spends three whole chapters, 8, 9, and 10, we're reading just the very last statement he makes to sum it up about eating meat offered to idols. You see, in Corinth, there's still the ruins, the columns of the Temple of Apollo still stand. I told you about the Temple of Aphrodite. And so they brought animal sacrifices to these pagan gods. The priest would burn part of it, keep part of it for his food, and the rest of it you took home or sold in the meat market. And it was food, meat that had been offered to idols. And Christians weren't sure is it wrong for us to eat? Are we participating with idols if we eat this? Paul, in these three chapters, gives a long answer. He says, if you, if it's, if you buy it in the meat market, just buy it. It's meat. Don't, don't try to figure out the orange where it came from. Everything everything is good gift from God. Just receive it. He said, if you're eating in a, a meal, a banquet, and somebody points out, hey, that meat was offered idol, then abstain from it so that you don't give the appearance of, uh, of condoning that. And and so that you don't hurt a weaker brother's conscience. He said, give up your rights. It's not all about you. So you get the context of that. So now he comes to sum it up and he says, listen, in the decisions you make, even about what you eat and drink, don't just think about yourself. Think about others and most of all, think about God. And so whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. And so what we learn here is that everything in your life can be for the glory of God you see you might think uh, as you search for purpose in life that my life's not very important because I don't do big things maybe you can conceive how a missionary who goes leaves home and goes to another country could glorify God maybe you could conceive how somebody in ministry could glorify God but you just don't think in my world that it has any significance and Paul tells us here listen In the little things of life, even how you eat and drink, you can honor God if you'll be aware of that and do it for his pleasure and do what pleases him in a way that he'd be proud of. And so whatever your life is about, you can glorify God and have a sense of purpose in that. Do you mop floors? Then mop floors for the glory of God! Do you change diapers seeming like endlessly it feels like? Then change diapers for the glory of God, Paul says. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, be aware of God's pleasure and presence and do it for the glory of God. It'll give meaning to your life day by day. Share with you a fourth way that you can glorify God, have a sense of purpose, and that is your good deeds can cause others to glorify God. I want to read to you 1 Peter 2, verse 12. And Peter writes, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So Peter was saying, you're going to get some slander in the culture that you're living in. Be ready for that. Hear what he says? He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, so you're going to be maligned to some in your culture. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be falsely accused. Hey, you don't worry so much about that. You concentrate on doing good. And you do good even to them. That they may see your good deeds and that would refute their criticism about your Christian culture. And your good deeds might even cause some of them to see the truth of your message and that they would come to be saved. And on the day that he visits us, you know, God's coming back for a visit. He's already visited our planet's once. He's coming back for another visit. And on the day he visits us, they might glorify God. They might not be saying, oh, no, it is true. But they might be saying, yes, and they would give glory to God that they know him. So here's significance for your life. The way you live your life could help another person come to be ready for the return of Christ and judgment day what's going to be for all eternity is people in heaven or hell and you could make a difference the great goal of your life ought to be to get there and bring some people with you that's a good goal for life get to heaven and bring some people with you and by your good deeds just living out your life when you're criticized just do good to others Don't argue, but do good. And he says your good deeds might cause them to glorify God. And What a a blessing that would be for all eternity if you've helped some person to be in heaven that would not be in heaven bring glory to God. I'll share with you a fifth way that you can glorify God. You can glorify God by the way you endure suffering, by the way you endure suffering suffering still in 1st Peter chapter 4 beginning at verse 12 dear friends do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you so 1st Peter is written to Christians in persecution and Peter writes to them don't think this is odd that you're being persecuted this is normal it's going to be normal for the world To persecute Christians. Get used to it he says. It's normal. It's not anything strange. Rather he says in verse 13. But rejoice and as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as Christian, do not be ashamed, but glorify or praise God, depending on your translation, same word there, but glorify or praise God that you bear that name. Paul says, you're probably going to suffer. And by the way you respond to suffering, you can bring glory to God. You know one of the parts of life that challenges us the most about finding any purpose is when we suffer. I talk to people who are in nursing homes and assisted living and have lost the ability to take care of themselves independently and have lost the ability to be productive in life and to have a job. And oftentimes they struggle with a sense of meaning. They'll say to me, I don't know why God's left me here I can't do anything and we get the idea that that our significance is tied to our doing and what I sometimes try to share with them and I think what Peter is saying here significance is not wrapped up in what you do your significance is in being not doing just by being you have significance and the way you're dealing with infirmity and declining health brings glory to God your life still has a purpose even when you can't do anything and even in suffering you can glorify God he said your life can be to the praise or to the glory of God so maybe you're going through some suffering or time in your life where you are not as productive as you were maybe there's somebody watching this this morning from a Assisted living facility, or nursing home, or you're homebound, and I, I just don't have much purpose. And I would want you to hear these words where Paul says, "Oh, yeah, I know you're suffering, but you can glorify God in your suffering, just by the way you respond and how you are. You're participating in the sufferings of Christ, and you're bringing glory to the one who saved you. There's meaning in all of life when your goal." is to glorify God, even in the way you die. Can I share more, one more scripture with you in regard to that? It's John 21, verses 18 and 19. Jesus is talking to Peter after his resurrection, before his ascension. Preparing Peter for what's ahead, he commissions him. And then he says to Peter, Very truly I tell you, when you're younger, you dressed yourself, Right? And when you want it, and went where you want it, right? But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Even in death, you can glorify God. Jesus was predicting, I think, that Peter would be crucified, Somebody else would stretch out his hands and nail them to a cross. He's saying, Peter, this is what's ahead of you, but even in that suffering and death, you can glorify God. You can even glorify God by how you die. All of your life can bring glory to God if you live it for him. Are you struggling with a sense of purposelessness? you wonder what your life's about? heard one guy say I have an alarm clock that tells me when to get up I need an alarm clock that tells me why to get up you ever identify with that why why am I here what's my life all about I want to share with you you can find purpose no matter where you are no matter what you're doing if you live your life to honor to praise to glorify the one who saved you it'll be a unifying purpose for your life. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Would you bow with me? Dear Jesus, I want to glorify you with my life. Is that your heart's desire? Would you just say that to him? Jesus, I want to glorify you with my lips. The way I talk tomorrow at work, the way I speak, I want to glorify you. Lord Jesus, I want to glorify you With my body. I realize it's significant. You're going to raise it from the dead. I realize that I've been united with you. I realize the Holy Spirit lives within me. I realize my body is not my own. I have been bought at a price. Oh Lord, by the way I treat my body. I want to glorify you. Lord, I want to glorify you even in the little things of my life like eating and drinking. And finally, Lord, when I suffer and even when I die. I want my life to be to your praise and to your honor and to your glory. And finally, I offer this prayer. If there's anyone here, anyone listening to me who would say, I don't have purpose in life, would you call upon Jesus and ask him to save you? And I believe thereby you will find a unifying purpose in your life. Oh, Jesus, hear our prayers through your name and for your glory. Amen. I'll be at the Welcome Center after this service today. It's right up this way, going up the ramp to my left, and I'd love to meet you and visit with you, and especially if you want to share about accepting Christ as Savior, or you want to be baptized, or you want to join our church, you'll have opportunity to do that right there this morning. I'd love for you to come by and see me. God
2: bless you. Will you please stand with us, and let's sing together. He is our everlasting Father, our everlasting God. Strength will rise as we
0: wait wait upon the Lord, wait upon the 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 Lord, we We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our God. A Defender of the Weak You comfort those in need You lift us up for a wing. Like eagles Strength rise as we wait upon the Lord Wait upon the Lord We will wait upon the Lord Strength will rise as we wait upon
2: God. That's what we're supposed to be singing. Everlasting
5: Thanks for being here with us. Good words this morning as we uh, look at what it means to really honor God and glorify God with all that we are. And I'm thankful that we have a Lord that's worthy of that praise and that we get to participate in that uh, pursuit of Him and that glorifying Him and all that we do. Uh, I want to remind you of a couple things before we go. Uh, CDP classes started Wednesday, but hey, come on and get involved. We got three great options right now, introductions. If you're a new member or thinking about it, come check that out with Dr. Cox. It's an introduction to their staff and what's going on here at First Baptist. Uh, Jake is leading What's Amazing About Grace, uh, looking at that book by um, Philip Yancey there. And then uh, Paige How is is doing How We Got the Bible. So that's a six-week study on kind of how that all came about and and uh, how we got our English Bible and that sort of thing. So that's uh, good stuff going on there. Also, Acts 4 Ministry, there's a little note there about that. If you know of anybody that has needs uh, from the kind of pandemic and all the stuff that's been going on, uh, let us know and we can uh, see about helping in those ways. I um, want to also remind you that today is Connection Group uh, Leader Appreciation Day. So hopefully all of you will check out a Connection Group in this next hour. But we want to say a special thanks to those who are taking the lead in all those things. I appreciate them and how they're helping uh, teach the word and care for folks each every week and build community in our church. So uh, just give a little love to those folks today. And let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you. We, uh, we know that you are worthy of praise, God, and help us uh, to, to tune our hearts to that truth So the things that we say, the things that we do, the way that we uh, go through the trials of life, that that would bring honor and praise to you, God. Your love is better than life, and help us to live that out in the way that we do it, in the way that we uh, do all the things that you've called us to do, God. So help us to honor you. We give you praise and thanks and glory for who you are, for what Jesus has done for us, and we pray this in his name. Amen. You are